0: Welcome to the Creators on Comics podcast. This podcast is a conversation between two creators dissecting the craft and technique that goes into creating comics. This episode features two letterers, Darren Bennett and DC Hopkins. As you'll hear in the episode, they've both been nominated for this year's Ringo Awards, so I asked them to record the first ever letterers episode of Creators on Comics to discuss their craft, the industry, and their design studio. Here's their conversation.
1: Hey, everybody. My name is Darren Bennett. I'm the lead letterer over at End World Design. It's uh, the lettering studio that I founded. Uh, I've been lettering for I think since what 2003 now. So I've been here, you know, a bit longer than than. A few letters in the game right now, you know, as part of my studio, I have uh, David Hopkins, who is here with me today. Who's David Hopkins? DC <laughs> <laughs> Hopkins, my my bad.
2: <laughs> so that's actually a great uh, transition because the first thing I was going to say was, hi, I'm DC Hopkins. You might know me as David, um, but we won't have to worry about it with Darren because he only, that's, that's probably the first time I've heard you say my first name in maybe three years. You only yeah. ever call me Hopkins.
1: That's true. Yeah. I, I feel uncomfortable calling you David. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. Hi, I am DC Hopkins. I am a letterer at Anroll Design with uh, with Darren here. I'm also a, a freelance letterer on uh, my own projects, kind of separate slash connected, but I'm always in the mix with Anne Uh Big, big fan of that studio. I want to say right out the gate, I think we have to acknowledge uh, just at least maybe for our own mental sakes uh darren you and i are uh the weird multi-layered fake realities that are play here at play here because (laughs) recording a podcast where we and i we and i you and i are talking about lettering industry stuff we also talk so listeners know every day in real life we have a very like specific brand of humor that we joke around with that then we have to eliminate when we're in public, not because it's inappropriate or anything, but just because people don't necessarily know we know each other that well. And last year at the Ringo's, the same exact thing happened, uh, which was we started to kind of rib each other online because you had gotten nominated as a singular person. i would gotten nominated as well. And our first reaction was to start being like, you know, oh man, I'm going to destroy Darren Bennett. He's never going to be able to work in this industry again. Like I'm crushing (laughs) everything he's built. And quickly we had to be like, oh, people don't understand that we're joking. We're kind (laughs) of, we're kind of at that again now where we have to sort of navigate this like fake reality of the show. But I'm excited to talk to you because I have a list of questions here. Some of them, I think I've asked you some of them, I think I haven't, but let's start with, the beginning here with just the Ringo stuff. So obviously we've both been nominated for a Ringo Award this year. Um, well, let me take it back. We have both been nominated in the sense that Annarol Design has been nominated, um, which is awesome. That's uh, uh, you and I talked the day that it that it happened, and just the excitement that we had at the studio and um, of just being recognized um, as an entire group, which is has been something we've been working for for a long time. So I guess. What was your tell me a little bit about that? Like, what was your first reaction that morning and just the overall sort of reception to be nominated for your studio as opposed to your work specifically?
1: Yeah, I, I think I mentioned um, online, I, I post through the the and world Twitter account and, um, you know, try to remain anonymous. But basically, uh, when I when I posted that, I, I said uh, that this was probably, you know, I matter of fact, it was on my personal account. Um, this was probably the highlight of any nomination that I've, I've had um, for, for myself as a person. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's great. It's an honor, but like when the studio got nominated, you were the first person to tell me. And um, I just, I was blown away. Like I I told my wife, I told the kids who were around at the time, um, because, you know, this is something I've been working for, for, for years now. And, you know, when, when I first started talking to you, I was, I was letting you know, I, I want this to grow into something bigger than myself. I, I don't want and world to specifically represent me. I wanted to represent us and, you know, us as a, as a lettering group, as a team. Wow. That's just, you know, it was just mind blowing for me just to have that name seen um, with the the other nominees there. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm really just excited for this more than, more than anything. I, I don't think I can really express how much this really means to me as a as a, a business owner, a friend and, and, you know, just, you know, mentor to, to some of you guys, it's just, it's just amazing.
2: Well, and the, yeah, I totally agree with all of that. And I mean, for me growing up reading comics and I wasn't, you know, into lettering until a little bit later until I was in college and specifically focusing on that stuff, but I still looked at at credits and and paid attention to things and was pretty plugged into the industry before I started working in it. And that was one of the things that I felt like had definitely kind of gone by the wayside, not necessarily that there was a requirement for it and we didn't have it anymore, but places like Comicraft who, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you would see a Comicraft uh, credit, but uh, a lot of times you would see Comicraft's, um, you know, Richard Starkings or whoever else that specifically worked on that book. And we were, uh, I think I, I'm trying to remember now, I joined the studio in 2013. Does that sound right? Almost 10 years ago? Yeah,
1: yeah, that's about right, yeah.
2: And when I joined... Um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think there were maybe two other people, three other people at the studio.
1: It wasn't even that. I think it was just uh, Morgan at the time. Okay. Yeah. Um, it was pretty pretty early days. And so seeing the growth that you've
2: built with it has been insane. And uh, you know all of the different strengths and and different qualities that we have coming in. that's one thing I often tell clients that I have um, that are that I have outside of Anworld is just you know, like, hey, especially if they're asking about other things like pre-production or, uh, or pre-press rather, or uh, logo design or anything like that. I always tell them, you know, hey, if it ends up that I don't have the bandwidth to do this, I also work at the studio. We have plenty of people there that can cover this stuff. You know, it's, it's expanded and grown. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I had the exact same reaction. Like that was, I, I keep telling people this and I don't know how many people believe me, but I genuinely was more excited <laughs> that anne got nominated than uh, for mine. I mean, it was definitely cool. Uh, and I'm appreciative of it and everything else. And it it does, just like last year, it doesn't make total sense to me because I can't see myself being nominated for an award. But the annual thing, like people say it's an honor to be nominated, everything else. And sometimes it sounds kind of hollow, yeah. but this man, I, I know I'm on the same page as you where just being able to see the name there recognized as a whole was, was very cool. Okay. I wrote some questions out kind of, if we just want to like randomly throw to them, but uh, on that and world um, side of things can you sort of I guess like how do you how do you define your role now in 2022 with the studio in terms of your your interactions with it obviously you still do a lot of everything um, we haven't even talked about some of the other places that you work <laughs> as well doing other jobs
1: um, within the industry but for yourself now as kind of the head of AndWorld, world how do you view your role I kind of see myself more as a project manager at this point. Just you know, making sure everything's running smoothly, getting all of you guys, um, you know, the, the work first of all. It's 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 me um, as a liaison, sort of between the the publishers, and just trying to garner work um, so that we we have enough for our full roster. Um, And then, you know, kind of figuring out, you know, our schedules and everything like that. So it's it's a a lot of project management and it kind of helps with some of the other hats that I wear as well. You know, you you mentioned briefly um, some other hats that I wear, like I I do some editing, I do some design work and all that stuff. Um, And so, like, you know, just being able to kind of figure out the day to day for uh, managing a a team of uh, of six, seven, seven individuals, um, it's uh, helped a lot in that capacity that kind of leads me to talk about, you know, what the, what the company is really, because I think just as a lettering studio, that, that really doesn't define, like, we're, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it as a place where we can learn, where we can, we can grow, we can, um you know, yeah. it's, it's job security, it's, it's, it's a whole bunch more than just, um you know, just us as, as letterers, just, you know, performing the, the, the work, you know, we're not just the technical aspect, it's, it's a lot more, um, where we actually, you know, kind of teach each other as well. You know, we we have our our Slack group where we're, um, you know, feeding off of each other, explaining, you know, the the ins and outs of what we're doing on a certain project, kind of getting um some of the you know techniques and sharing those techniques with one another. And so it's it's a really you know cohesive group that, that we built here. And um, you know, like that's one of the reasons why I'm I'm so proud of this um to be recognized the way it is, is because a lot of people don't see us, you know, day to day what we're doing and what we're accomplishing. And when I see the recognition there from, from our peers, it's just, you know, mind blowing to me. So to answer your question, just basically just me kind of stepping back from the specific part of lettering, which is what my original role was. I I would just be the the worker lettering. And then if other lettering jobs came around, that's you know, I'm I'm kind of sharing that that load between you guys. But now it's more of me overseeing the process. I'll I'll get the the files um, to you and then um, review and, you know, correct and, and just, you know, work with the editors and whoever the, the publishers, um, the publishing team is and, uh, you know, kind of kind of keep things moving.
2: Yeah, that's that's one of the things that I've I've always loved about Anworld as well is it's it's totally remote. You know, none of us uh, at this point or any of us in the same state anymore. No, I don't think so. Yeah. So there, there's no one. You know, working out in a in a physical working out working on projects in a physical studio space, but there's a there's a camaraderie there for sure, and that's one thing that um, you've made a point to, uh, you know, have us all hang out when we can. So usually it's New York Comic Con, but um, sometimes like this year it's going to be more of a Baltimore thing. When we're all in one place, um, you make it a point for everyone to go out to eat, or um, one year we went and did karaoke, and uh, it's pretty impactful how much that impacts it as well. I won't name names, but there's someone in the studio right now that's getting ready to be out for a week. And they hit me up and said, hey, can you have my back on these projects that I haven't you know, finished out? Absolutely. If I need to leave, I know they're going to have my back too. That's one of my favorite things about it for sure is that it, it truly and genuinely does feel like a studio of studio mates that have each other's back, which um, especially in, in comics with how small everything is and how disconnected everyone is. Um, not even to mention the past few years we've had just, you know, with COVID and everything else, it's been a, been a big plus. Okay. Let me ask you some questions about lettering. This is something that you, how much would you say now of your time is still spent lettering? If you could put a percentage on, I don't know, maybe that's too hard to define.
1: I'd say maybe 25% of my day-to-day is lettering. Whereas I'm, I'm, spending the rest of the time kind of reviewing what we're doing making sure you know um we're turning in projects and just like i said the project management aspect of everything um and beyond that handling my um editorial responsibilities and proofreading and whatever else i've got going on i'm also uh, doing writing which is which is another <laughs> another hat that i wear like I, it's funny because uh my my kid she's uh trying to tell her friends and whatever, what I do. And then every now and then she learns something new about me. Like Wait, what you're writing now, what, what is this? And so like, I have to kind of tell it, explain that I'm, I'm, I do a lot of things just because like, I, I'm always curious and always trying to learn um, different yeah. aspects of the business. And um, you know, and that's something that I try to impart on um, everybody who I'm working with, like that cross, I, I don't want to call it cross train, cross development, I guess um mm-hmm. where you're learning more about other parts of the job like if, if you can learn what the other person is doing it makes you better at, at your specific um job title and so um that's that's one of the things that i relish like i'm, I'm always trying to learn like i've, I've taken coloring courses i've um, i've been in you know I've, i i actually came into this game trying to be a penciler and so like that was my goal and so like penciling, inking, all those things, I've I've kind of taken a taken a shot at each of those things just to kind of learn more and learn more. And so like right now it's um it's writing is my my goal. And so like that's where I I put a lot of my focus now. So um between lettering uh um some monthly titles that I still have, I'd say about 25% of it is still lettering, whereas I'm trying to do a lot more writing and do more project management for the team to make sure, you know, we're we're still producing quality lettering.
2: Yeah. No, absolutely. And and most of the reason I ask is because I that's where where I guessed it was about as well, around that 25% mark. Um, so to show people, I mean you still are are working on projects, but then like you said, proofreading. I mean, a lot of this stuff is is lettering by extension with just, you know, going over proofs and stuff like that. So I wanted to kind of set that up to ask you about you, sort of like your own sort of self-eval on your lettering at this point. Like what are, what are some things, or maybe one thing, because um, I know this is going to be uncomfortable because I'm getting ready to ask you to essentially compliment yourself, <laughs> uh, but I'm going to ask you to also um, trash yourself next. For the first one, for the compliment, what what's something that you, you take pride in with your lettering that you look at and you're like, okay, I, I feel like I I really nailed this, or I set myself apart with this particular thing, or this is a stylistic thing that kind of came about naturally. I mean, you—you you have that was one things that you, one of the big things you imparted to me early on when you first started to kind of teaching me and mentoring me. That was something I was so worried about was my own style. It was like, okay, well, if I do this or if I do that, then that just doesn't look like anything other than quote unquote a standard word balloon, and I've got to do this thing or that thing. And you were very instrumental in in teaching me, you know, hey, this stuff will come about naturally, and. Mm-hmm is to work with the artist, work with the writer and have this lettering feel cohesive with the book, not feel like, you know, DC Hopkins lettering or David C. Hopkins as I was known back then and made all of my credits designs way too hard to do because that's too long to name.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, I think you just nailed it. Uh, I think one of the things that I I pride myself on is um, gelling with the, the artwork. I'm never trying to push a style that I don't think fits with the artist. I always wanted to look like the artist's hand between picking the font, developing the style of the balloon. Um, and right now, you know, like that's that's my core. And I, I see a lot of um, newer letterers, uh, they're trying to to establish their style. And sometimes that works counter to what's on the page. Um, sometimes you get something really beautiful out of it. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, there, there, there are times where you can try a little too hard and uh it just it it's it's great lettering but does it really fit the art and so like you you have to kind of um balance it out and um like i think one of the things you want to do is is look at the artwork see what's going to to fit that artwork style and you can you know put your own touches on it and you, it, it'll it'll be your own creation but at, you're lending yourself to a bigger picture that's that's what we're we're all a team when it comes yep. to um, comic book making and so you want to be a part of that team that's working with the team, not against the team, not for yourself. Um, and so I think that's a that's a big deal in lettering. And that's what I try and bring to the to any project that I'm on. Um, I want the the artist to feel like, OK, this this really looks good for what I was trying to accomplish. The line work kind of matches. Um, uh, the sound effects don't look like it's a serious you know, comic and, you know, has a, has a straightforward style, or if it's an action comic, I want to match that. I want to give that same personality to the, to the lettering that's already established in the artwork. And so like, I think that's, um, you know, key when, when it comes to establishing, um, establishing a style on any book, um, rather than bringing what you think, um, not, not what you think, like, rather than trying to outshine everyone outperform everyone you're kind of working in in unison and that's um you know that's something that I think I've been able to do um and so like that was actually a question that I was thinking of of shooting your way um I have been talking a lot online about um you know the strengths uh that that each of the team members have I I kind of wanted to know what do you think your strengths are to each project that you have, and also just, it's just to the team in general, like what, what role do you play for and World?
2: Huh, that's a good question. For the first part, in terms of strengths, I, I think that I've always felt, even from the beginning, like I've had a good handle on, on placements, which I know is a pretty boring thing <laughs> to, to sort of say like, oh, what a, what a cool thing that I, I feel like I, I do well, just where to put balloons. But that was something that I think gave me a little bit of a jump at the beginning. I, I just read comics my entire life. And so starting to pick up on things that worked and didn't work and moments where I was confused and where I wasn't confused. And I've, I've taken that with me to this day. There are, there have definitely been times and usually I, I go vent um, to uh, in the Slack channel about it, but there are even times now where I might get a note from editorial or proofreader or something where <laughs> I'll get frustrated because I'm like, I know that that's not going to be a problem because I have read that. I've seen this done a million times in comics, you know, growing up to now, it'll be okay. So, having a a sort of pretty, I I feel pretty connected to the medium in that way, I guess, but not because I have any sort of, you know, special talent or insight or anything. It's just because I've read comics for, you know, two plus decades before I started trying to, you know, work within the the industry. So, it was a lot of repetition. Beyond that, I mean everything that I—and this is not just to to praise you more—but everything I, I typically tell people after that, that, I feel like I do well, has been stuff that I I learned since joining the studio. So I I used to have zero confidence in sound effects. Um, now I would say I have like thirty percent confidence in sound effects. Enough that I can, <laughs> I can I can lay them out and be like, okay, this is gonna work. But, um, that was an area that um I got quite a bit better at with with the studio. And then in terms of my role i mean how i view it i guess i have always genuinely loved being a part of it um i think the i, I was it comic working in comics can be incredibly isolating for sure and that was you know i i, I lettered for how many years before i, I got connected with you three uh, more than that it had been a handful um not professionally but was working my way toward that and being able to connect with someone who, who gets it and is able to see things right away that you can't see, um, was a huge, a huge benefit. And I, I didn't take that for granted. Um, and in fact, there was uh, a time early on where I could tell that you were, you were willing to give me guidance and, and critique and everything else, but I was scared to to ask because I didn't want to waste your time. <laughs> and so once, once you kind of gave me the green light of like, Hey, you can ask whatever. And it was, yeah, I, it was questions all the time as much as like, cause I wanted to learn. And and that was a, a big part of, I think the success of a lot of people at the studio has been coming in and having that thirst for learning, for learning more. Um, I tell people it was the first job I ever had where I didn't just want to figure out how to get the job done as quickly and as quickly as possible without doing a bad job. So I could go home. Mm-hmm. Lettering was the first job I ever had where it was like, okay, I did this today, tomorrow, I want to do better than that. And, and improve and, and learn and everything else. So in terms of how I view, I mean, I think in some ways I view myself as a, as a cheerleader for the studio. Like I, not that that's my job or I've been given that or anything, but I, I, I genuinely do believe in it. And I think for up and coming letters too, especially who are wanting to learn, like you mentioned, um, education is a big big part of it too, that different things that you've put out there already and are working on for the future and, and guiding new letters. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, there was definitely a a thirst for knowledge that I had and wanting to, to, you know, learn what you were able to, that that was a big thing I tell people a lot too, is sometimes just having a fresh pair of eyes, people are immediately able to see the things that you can't see. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I've, I've done that sort of check-in with you over the years, where I've been like, Hey, can you look at a few of my pages and just tell me what immediately sucks or, you know, what, what looks off, because stuff can fall through the cracks, or you can get into habits or, or whatever else, and you know, continue to do things wrong. So, with that in mind, I asked this question because it's the kind of thing that I, I liked to see back then, and even now, too, uh, to a degree. But, what are some red flags that you see from um, up and coming creators, uh, specifically letters? I guess, or, or in that realm? Although you work in, you wear a lot of hats, like you said, you can kind of open it up however you'd like that they should really avoid. That's navigating the industry was a scary thing for me until I had someone who had been in it um, and was able to give me sort of feedback and say, you know, hey, you think that you should do this, but really, you know, editors are looking for this or whatever else. Yep. Um, so off the top of your head, what are those big red flags where you're like, you know, hey, if you're wanting to work in comics or lettering or whatever, avoid this stuff or do more of this stuff. I've over explained the question, parse
1: through it however you'd like. No, it's it's actually given, <laughs> made, made the wheel spin a little bit. Um, okay. So I think the big thing for me um, as as somebody who's hiring, I think more people need to be aware of their their presence online right now. I think, uh, you know, (laughs) there there are people who forget that what you're putting out there on social media, on whatever whatever platform, um, it's also, you know, feeding into potential um, potential work. Um, so if you're you're bashing this company or, or talking about this creator or whatever, um, that's going to limit your opportunities um, or, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be about, you know, being negative on social media. Maybe um, you're just, you know, posting certain things that just kind of like those, those can be the red flags for, for me um, if I'm seeing like just behavior that just doesn't line up with. With somebody who's a team player, or somebody who who really wants to learn, or or something like that, like you, you're giving off vibes when you're you're posting on on social media, you're inter- engaging, or even if you're interacting in person when um when you're meeting somebody, you know, put your best foot forward. Um, you're it, it's now everything's like a job interview, um, because we're interacting with with people online who are in positions where they might be able to hire us um, sooner or later. Um, so it's just like. Yeah you have to keep that in the back of your mind when you're when you're you' are when know, you are you are doing things online or in person or whatever this uh th- those are things that you know the people who are hiring or are looking at um editors who are um intending to work with you might see something that turns them off from from just you know seeing what you're you're putting out there in your feeds every day uh so that's that's one of the things um so it doesn't even have to do with anything technical or it could be you know showing your work ethic or something like that like it's just I kind of, I kind of look at that, engage the the person and not just their work because you, right. you can be a phenomenal worker, but if you have a bad attitude or you don't, it doesn't seem like you're going to, to work out well with, you know, a project um, you know, I'm, I'm not willing to take a chance and, and work with you. You can't, you can't fix that sort of thing um, when it comes to a team, like it's just, you're either going to be able to, to mesh with the team or you're not. And so um, those are yeah. one of the things that can, can affect who I'm looking at. Uh, in, in terms of um hiring or who I'm looking at in terms of just working with in general.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think that's a huge one. And that something that I was guilty of uh early on, not not to a horrible degree, but definitely to a place where I started to kind of reevaluate what I was putting on my feeds and putting out there um, for that exact reason. I think that's one of the things that a lot of freelancers don't pick up on um right away or, or struggle with uh because it is a, a sort of weird transition to go from you know, being someone who presumably liked, you know, things about the industry, whether it's the comics themselves or, or, you know, the artistic angle or whatever else, but you are then trying to move yourself into a professional lane. Yeah. And with that professional lane comes certain expectations. And I think too, like, it doesn't mean, and, and it, obviously you weren't saying this either, that you have to, you know, wear a suit and tie and be a stuffy corporate suit about it or whatever. Oh, right. And just being polite, being communicative, being receptive, being responsive, just stuff like that. That sounds like pretty, you know, things that people take for granted, but that will set you apart pretty quickly um, because there are plenty of people out there who aren't going to have those, those qualities. And like you said already for an editor, a lot of times the, they're going to work with the person that they know can get it done, can get it to them quickly. And they're not going to have to, they're not going to have any trouble with them. um as opposed to like we have to have the absolute best person who can do the perfect caption box um on this (laughs) on this book it's going to be who can i trust who can get it done yeah Um,
1: i think uh, yeah go ahead on the flip side of that um we're not just looking at red flags i'm looking at qualities that that might you know endear me to somebody um that that willingness to learn that that we spoke about um if you're you're willing to you know step out of just oh i know everything or whatever and and you know learn from somebody else who might be adjacent to you there they might you might look at them as a peer but there's a lot to offer um from somebody who's doing the same work that you have that you're doing like they they might do it a different way that might help you and benefit you and so like that willingness to learn is, is is really key for me um when i when i see that those are those are people who I'm, I'm looking at. Like, if I, I remember even, uh, you know, seeing your work early, I'm like, Oh, there's, there's stuff here and whatever. And like, when you started, you know, asking me questions and, and, um, just, you know, that thirst for knowledge, I was like, all right, this, this guy, he's, he's, he's really, you know, ready to take it to the next level. And so, and that's, that's where you're at now. you talked about, uh, your, your sound effects earlier, um, and how you weren't comfortable with them. And now it's gotten better, uh, that, you know that improvement that i've seen is just leaps and bounds like i'm looking at the stuff on um on scott snyder's noctera that you're doing and it's just i'm, I'm amazed i'm like wow like, like that that sound effect is cool like I, if, if those of you listening um you know scroll through david's feed um and his twitter feed and, and just take a look because he has some amazing sound effects down there so yeah well thanks man we have to both <laughs> feel awkward now because we're not used to giving each other sincere
2: yeah. <laughs> it's under five or six layers of sarcasm or just cruelty maybe. Um, cause that's our, our way of, <laughs> of joking around with each other. No, I appreciate you saying that. And, and, uh, to your point from before too, about, you know, kind of people to be drawn to and engage you. I think about people like, um, man, I, I did not look her name up ahead of time. So I correct me if I'm saying her not last name wrong. Is it Sarah Lindsay or Lindsay manga uh, manga letter? Uh, yeah.
1: I, uh, I want to go
2: with Lindsay Lee. But. Okay, I, I I think that's right too, but I didn't actually look it up. But she, I I don't know her personally. I believe you do, maybe. Um, or I don't know her
1: partner? personally at all. We've we've um oh, okay. engaged only online. So, you have a uh, you have a secret manga um
2: past. You started off <laughs> is uh, it in secret? Mon- well, no, not really. But I think for for most people, they don't realize how many manga connections you have. You where where was the first place you started working? I was uh,
1: that's where I started at Tokyo Pop. And, Tokyo um, Pop, that's right. Yeah.
2: So anyway, she, uh, if you don't follow her on Twitter, definitely go um, go give her a follow. She does uh, great posts about anything and everything. And uh, kind of what you said, it's sort of the the flip to that, which is her, you know, it, it's not coming from a place of, um, I know how to do everything perfect. It's coming from a place of like, hey, here's what, something that works for me and, and I'm sharing it with you now and this is helpful or here's a reminder about how this thing works. And also, one of the things that you helped me with in a huge way that I struggled with early on was not being discouraged by anything else, including and especially successes for peers. Mm-hmm. Um, and and a lot of times, I mean, I, I still to this day have struggled with imposter syndrome in a big way. And especially back then, taking those sort of um, wins for other people and viewing them and framing them for myself as failures for myself, where I, you know, I didn't—not necessarily jealousy, but coming from a place of like I'm not good enough to do that, or you know, I I'll never be as good as this person or whatever else—and you really helped me reframe that into um, use that as fuel. So yeah. if you see something like that that gives you those feelings, that gives you that frustration that your work isn't at that level, or or whatever else okay, take all of that and harness it. Instead of letting it bring you down, put it into something um, and push yourself. And whether it works or it doesn't work, or maybe part of it works, you're still putting yourself outside of um, you know, the, the comfort zone that you can fall into on books, especially on series when there's an established style or whatever else, mm-hmm. um, but that's how you grow. I mean, that's how you learn is it's, it's not when things are easy. So yeah, I don't really have anything to say there other than great answer. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't ask you earlier about the flip side. I want you to talk some trash about yourself. What's something that you, you still feel like you wish you were better at or want to work on more? Is there an area when I worked at Apple, it was called areas of opportunity, which was a, a nice way of saying like the shit that you're bad at. Huh? Um, so what are your, <laughs> what are your Apple? Don't sue me. I don't Very know much. if I should have said that. that was internal Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what, what are your areas of opportunity for yourself? If there are any, maybe you're like, no, nah, I've got this nailed, nailed down. I'm, I'm the
1: best at everything. No, I, I there's <laughs> definitely things that I, I, um, I want to work on. Uh, specifically, uh, design. I think, mm-hmm. uh, book design is, is something I've been doing for a while now. And every time I'm looking at, um, somebody else's work, whether the, whether it's like Tim Daniels, he's over at vault. Um, yeah uh scott newman um even even uh you know just people who i've worked with within um different um publishers just i can't even name the specific names of the designers but when i'm seeing their work on on graphic novels putting those hard covers together i'm just like you know well, like I, uh, I got,
2: tom mueller too yeah a lot of stuff like that yeah. yeah
1: so i just I i feel like i always have to step my game up and um i i don't I don't know when I can push or like sometimes I'm, I'm just like a little bit I guess too timid with um mm-hmm. okay I, I should be doing more here but um maybe it's too much for the the publisher they don't want to you know just do that for this specific book or whatever and then there's times where I just can't figure out the layout to make it um something that's really you know just gorgeous and so like I'm right. I feel like um you know just that that's where I feel like I'm just uh you know that, that imposter syndrome that you talk about is it kicks in because I've 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 done design I've I've done books whatever but am I really that good Should I just hand this off and let somebody else design it And that's that's where I you know kind of kind of struggle with myself But um you know I I I still push myself still put myself out there when um people ask Hey can I get a book designed mm-hmm. I'll, I'll put my best effort out there and and try and you know do do something new each time just to kind of you know, build upon what I did the last time and make it better this time. And so that's all you can really ask at that point.
2: I I think uh, you mentioned Tim Daniels earlier too. That's, that's a great example of someone for me, um, you know, now in 2022 or whenever I first saw his work, you know, in the past year or so um, where I had to not get to a place where I'm like, why do I even make logos anymore? This guy's got it figured (laughs) out. (laughs) And I have to kind of harness that back into, okay, what can I learn, you know, from his work? What can I, what can I take away? Not to copy, but to be inspired by him, to try yeah. to see things how he sees things, because he clearly is viewing logo design and and trade dress and everything else in a completely different way that you know anyone else is out there, which is exciting stuff. On that note, let me ask you this: we, you, and I talk quite a bit about, in 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 real life, I should say, IRL, as the kids say, the internet lingo, that uh, the stuff that we get into, it seems like. I don't know if this is, I know it's definitely happened for me, but the more I learned about lettering, the more I started working in the industry, the more effectively it killed the way I was able to read comics um, (laughs) before. Uh, I used to be a voracious reader of comics, just constantly getting as much as I could, reading as much as I could all the time. And that has changed substantially because for, for a variety of reasons, sometimes you know the circumstances behind the book, and you know that's hard to not think about as you're reading it. Sometimes you know the letter, or sometimes um, there's quirks about it that keep pulling you out. Um, so it's not a necessarily a knock against comics; it's just the nature, I think, of of um, any kind of job where you're suddenly seeing how the sausage is made, to use that metaphor. Yeah. Um, so we often talk about influences and things that inspire us, and 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 things that we get out of from other places, um, not always specifically comics or comic book lettering um I had a couple recently that were in total one one is kind of in that same place but even like music I was on a road trip uh recently uh with a buddy of mine and we discovered this this dude named Tim Maya who I from what I the brief amount that I read introduced like funk music to Brazil in the 70s which as you know is where I grew up never heard of this guy when I lived in Brazil so I'm not sure how I missed this but having this like weird sort of blend of like brazilian music with funk and soul like tapped into something and i mean i think everyone's had that sort of experience with music where you just sort of feel like okay i've never heard anything quite like this this is exciting it sort of fills you with that energy and that translated into lettering not not specifically in in a way where i was like all right let's make some brazilian you know samba (laughs) sound effects (laughs) but it was definitely from a place of like this is exciting this fills me you know, with with the sort of joy of wanting to create um, in whatever way I can. So I, I guess I throw it to you. I, I, I can maybe set you up a little bit here because I know you and I both read a lot, um, mm-hmm. specifically prose and novels and stuff outside of comics. Is there anything that comes to mind that
1: these days gives you the most sort of bang for your buck, creatively speaking? Yeah, definitely reading, um, you know, kind of just gives me a, another level of storytelling where it makes me want to figure out how we can tell the best story whether it be through um the lettering the design or, or what have you um but uh, one of the things that just jumped in my mind when when you were talking about it is uh video games um every That's now and then you know I'll, I'll play some some game and there's some kind of uh way that they'll the overlay text and yeah as as crazy as it seems, that sort of like you know inspires me when i'm um lettering i'm just like okay if they can do that in in on screen, like how can I make that happen on the page um, and use that technique or whatever whatever um, visual they have um, and incorporate that into the the sound effects that that happens a lot with um when I'm trying to define like the caption style or something yeah. Um, yeah. captions like. Constantly, I'm just thinking, all right, how the, how they work that text into that video game when you have this talking head or, you know, right next to the, the the text on on screen or whatever. It's, so, so that sort of thing is uh, you know, always always in my mind when I'm I'm you know, sitting there playing a game, I'm I'm immersed, and then suddenly I'm like, hey, I can use that. It's it's just like no, it's I, not, um, I'm right there with you.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. That that and that was something I think pulling from film too that I remember oh, yeah. specifically in. Two, early 2000s, 2001, 2002. I, I won't throw out how old I was and how old you were because I, I give you like, <laughs> too much crap about how much older you are than me <laughs> uh, on a daily basis, which is not that much, but uh, I think mean, it sound like the gap's a lot bigger. The the sort of um, emergence uh, also within the Wildstorm universe too, I guess, of like the blockbuster widescreen comic thing. So like Mar- Mark Miller, Millar, have you say his last name? And mm-hmm. Um, working on the Ultimates or Wanted or the Wildstorm stuff um, with Frank Quietly, like the having even as someone who wasn't making comics at that point in time, but recognizing okay, they're using techniques from modern film in a way that feels pretty unique. Giant title cards and yeah. um, sort of widescreen panels and stuff like that. The uh, I know exactly as soon as you said that about video games, I was like, I know exactly what you're saying, and and we see that more and more, especially in like um, narrative solo games. Yeah. Um, where they're crafting more of a, a story. And then even down to things like uh, a game that I have talked to you about for years, and I know you'll never play with me, but I've been playing Destiny since the beginning. Mm. And Destiny is um, filled with design, filled with uh, like every single thing you can think of has some specific symbol. And the design team that they have at Bungie is is incredible. The amount of work that goes into it, in a way that would feel... You know, like they just always go further than they need to when it comes to their design sense and in, in a positive way, which can be pretty inspiring too. And trying to melt things down, there's so many different expansions and campaigns, and they have design sense for each one, so they're able to kind of tag them in different ways. It's it's pretty fun, right? Um, okay, let's see what else I have here. You kind of touched on this earlier, but. Uh, you get this question a lot. And my hope is that if there's someone out there right now listening um, who's, who's wanting to be a letter or get into design or whatever else in the comic book industry, the kind of questions that I would want to hear or I would want to know if I was listening to something like this at that point in my career. But what do you look for as a whole with uh, n- potential new and world, um, whether it's letters or designers? Uh, you mentioned earlier, it goes beyond that. So we have editorial, we have colorists writers, artists, all, you know, it, a lot of people wear a lot of different hats like you. And then also we have, you know, sort of defined, I guess we could call them departments (laughs) of different roles there too. So it's not just lettering, but for you as a whole, kind of what do you look for when it comes to acquiring sort of new talent and what are the the positive attributes that you, you seek out?
1: I think um, one of the biggest things right now that I'm, I'm kind of gauging from people is like the willingness to work. And it sounds so stupid, but like, like there, there's, uh, you know, there's, there's got to be that, that drive that you like when I have a job ready, when I'm like, I, you get your name called, be ready. Because like, yeah. uh, if, if suddenly I'm like, hey, I got this job and you're like, uh, oh, you know what? Well, um, I'm not sure or whatever. Like, and there's no knock. Maybe, maybe you have a lot going on, maybe whatever. But one, when I, you know, if I'm, if I'm knocking twice, if I'm knocking three times on your door and, and, um, I get, I get a no that that's an immediate, I, I I can't go back. I can't go back to that. Well, so it's like, you have to be willing and ready to work. Yeah. Um, and so, and like, and like so. you said, I
2: want to put a finer point on that too. Saying like, that's, that's one thing I think you've taught me a lot about too, is, is knowing when to say no, it's okay to say no to yeah. stuff. And like oh, yeah. you said, like, if, if someone doesn't have, time that might even be something you would respect is they're like I, I can't take this on right now for sure um, because I can't deliver it but yeah you know three times in maybe they don't want to work
1: <laughs> yeah yeah no it's, it's that that's that's a good that's an excellent point like I'm not I'm not knocking anybody like if I've ever asked you to do a job and you're like ah you know what I can't do it right now no I respect the hell out of that like you, mm. you know your workload you know what you can manage that's great too like I, I need you to, to understand what you're capable of and if i ask you hey, are, are you able to do this and you're like no I, I can't do that right now i don't want to put you in that predicament and that that says a lot to me too um so it's it's you know th- there's there's a fine point on it where or, where i i'm not saying no you you have to say yes every, to everything I, I throw out there but sure. uh you know i just i do want the people who are who are eager or eager to work eager to learn and just uh you know just they they want to be able to to be part of the team you know like contribute um, when they can. So if, uh, like, you know, like you, you mentioned before, we, we have studio members who who go on vacation, whatever, and we just kind of fill in that role. Like when, when I, that's one of the coolest things that, yeah. that, that we have that, that ability to just step in when somebody needs that pickup. It's just, um, you know, it's, it's incredible. Like I, I am fortunate to have a team who's, who's got each other's backs. Um, when, when things are down and this is what I Again, I, I usually don't praise you, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna throw this out there. You, you you have been my right hand man. So like when you know I go on vacation, um, I know I can set up that that email, and they they go to you. Things are taken care of. Like I yeah. I can I can rest easy knowing, and my wife can rest easy. She's she's happy that 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 yeah. they're back. So it's like though that sort of thing. Like if I can find more people who are are who are team members like that, that's you know that that's. to me yeah no absolutely and i think the
2: um i appreciate you saying that this without getting too far into it um and maybe you can't tell by our uh our very um high energy giving each other crap uh podcast here this has been easily the hardest year of my life Mm -hmm. (laughs) and having the studio be able to be there for me in those ways for you specifically as well where i've just been like hey i i i can't get this particular thing done Um, there's really no more to it than that for you. Um, I, you know, I don't have to explain, I mean, I have to explain details, obviously, but it's a very quick, we, you know, we got you, you. we'll figure it out. Yeah. (laughs) Which, you know, especially for me right now where I'm at and the things I'm going through and changes in life has been a massive load off my mind. And, and I've always been, I've been so appreciative of that. Um, okay. I want to ask you a question. Uh, I don't know that I've ever asked you before, so let's see let's see where this goes. Is there anything about lettering, maybe rules or traditions that you don't agree with, or you dislike, or you, you don't think lettering's a weird thing, right? Like there's all these rules. And then there's all these rules that can be broken. Then there's rules that some people say you can never break. Uh, and then those are the same rules that people like maybe just to throw a name out, John Workman breaks on every single book he does. And it looks great. Yes. So there's there's plenty of, of circumstantial changes here. But is there anything that for you specifically kind of sticks um, out as something that you've tried to move away from or make your own variation of it or anything like that?
1: Right now, that's jumping out in my head is uh, I've and it, I actually what's funny is I've had a company reach out to me talking about, um, you know, incorporating more manga elements into uh, traditional lettering. And so, like, that's one of the things when I started out moving from manga to, you know, Western comics, I wanted to bring some of the conventions of manga lettering into comics. And uh, like, there, there are nuances that people won't pick up on, but like the off-panel balloons um that just kind of they're, they're just you know free-flowing balloons but they'll have this little notch in them that that indicate um somebody to to the other side of the, mm-hmm. the panel is speaking and uh, that'll eliminate you know cross cross tails crossing tails trying to yep. figure out uh, the speaking order and all that stuff like their readers are so intuitive like long-time readers especially whatever they 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 can figure out, you know, what's on the page without us um, having to kind of like, you know, guide that hold their hand throughout each step. I think, um, you know, um, some some um, people just underestimate like how much uh, the reader can figure out on their own. Um, it's 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 comic books can be, you know, confusing at times if you're if you're doing the wrong thing. So that's why the conventions are there. But I think, you know we we don't give enough credit to the reader to be able to to discern what's going on um without you know like that that idea of um guiding the reader um i don't i don't think we need to be you know the 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 main ones just like drilling that in like i think you know we can do some clever things that help to move the eye across the page but i i don't necessarily focus on that like i i i see that the artists themselves with their panel arrangement has already, you know, yeah, kind yeah. of kind of set the reader up um to, to know where to go. And so now it's just my job to kind of help tell that story within each frame, within each panel. And so like I'm I'm not I'm not a stickler for oh, okay, I, I have to put this balloon here because it's going to lead the eye downward instead of to the right, whatever. But I think the reader can figure that out. And I think wherever I cho- choose to place that. It, it can work. Um, and sometimes I get, you know, pushback from um, whoever's on the book um, to say, you know, let's move it over here because I think it'll read better. But I think it um, kind of ruined the effect that I was going for. And so th- those are the sort of things that, um, you know, kind of uh, frustrate me when I'm I'm trying to tell a story in a way um, that works with the art. I kind of want to be able to break that mold of, OK, there's this strict placement that we have to adhere to because the yeah. reader's not going to figure it out, I, th- I think we can we can do some creative things to to help that along.
2: I don't know if this is controversial to say, so um, if if you want to distance yourself from this comment immediately, feel free, Darren. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I <laughs> I I feel like placement guides in most instances are something that we could do away with, or at the very least do differently, yeah. um, because it, it does feel like a pretty big waste of time for for most everyone involved with it, and I don't mean that in a a snarky way as much as just a way of something that could be more efficient because, um, and for anyone who doesn't know, placement guides are typically when uh, the editor on the book or if it's, you know, just the, maybe the the lead writer or whatever else will send sort of like pretty rudimentary, sometimes it's just done um, with like marker or whatever, guides for where they think the balloon should go. And we've talked about it publicly and privately as letters to about how like one of the benefits of it can be there's a book with a lot of characters and you're not sure who is who yet or you're trying to figure out in a crowd you know where things should go it can be helpful there yeah. um but like you said so much of it i think in our our role is adapting and the trying to figure out ways to make things work while simultaneously like you said trusting the reader that's the thing i always go back to is manga like if I've yet to meet someone who, when presented with their first manga and and it's backward, right? As yeah. as we traditionally expect it to be, uh, or from what we traditionally expect it to be, get midway or to the end and be like, I couldn't figure that out. It's a weird, disorienting thing at first when it's your very first you know time reading one, but yeah. you snap into it within a couple pages usually. And if we can do that, I, I I think we can <laughs> oh, we yeah. can give we could <laughs> we can extend a little bit of grace when it comes to some of the other stuff. One of mine, and I think maybe I even you disagree with me on this one, is I don't fully get the the like it is almost a religious level of dedication that people have for not hyphenating words <laughs> uh, which I, I totally understand in some contexts, but especially if it's like you know the word cowboy. or something where it can be split that way. I'm splitting that thing every time if it's going to make the balloon look better. Like, that's something for me where I look at and I'm like, okay, we don't have this problem in prose. People read books all the time and things get hyphenated in even crazier ways than that probably or potentially. No one's dropping the book because they're confused on how to read two halves of a word. But it is something that that does seem very stuck in lettering right now that, or maybe not even right now, just always, that I try to break as much as I can because I just don't really agree with it. And I would say 90% of the time I'm told to put it back. <laughs> so yeah. no. I don't know that I
1: have much success with it, but. <laughs> I actually, I, I do agree with you on that point. Um, and that's what, that's one of the things they do in manga, right? Like they, they right. hyphen yep. all the time and people are still reading that. Um, you can know, have like,
2: like, a balloon that has the word indescribable in it in
1: manga and it's broken into four lines. Right. <laughs> yeah. it's hyphenated. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, It looks good because it fits the balloon. Right. Um, so they, yeah, I've, I've, done that like there are times where i'll do uh what i, what I consider workman balloons where they're this you know round cir- almost circular shape most of the time um and so like to fit that circle shape all the time breaking up the word is is like almost necessary and so like i i feel like i push that more when i'm doing that sort of balloon and um that's exactly what gets pushed back on and they're like hey can we can we figure out <laughs> yeah. a way to to make this one line i'm like ah man all right well gotta gotta make this balloon long now and it just ruined the whole effect for the whole book because i wanted these circular shaped balloons and when you look at that book later that's all you're gonna see exactly (laughs) it's that balloon that's our curse yep (laughs) um no that that's you know exactly how it goes when um we're trying to figure out balloons but I, I you know i just want to thank you for this conversation and uh, you know how awkward i feel when we're doing these <laughs> podcast things and so like um you're an old hat, old hat at this and so like i I really appreciate you know you kind of like steering this conversation and, and just doing a, a bang-up job with it because uh yeah otherwise i'm just sitting here looking crazy um so,
2: <laughs> no, no no way
1: i appreciate you um, in every aspect, including, you know, what you do day in, day out for the studio. Um, and so, you know, thanks for, for being here and, uh, just talking to me about lettering.
2: Absolutely, man. To continue the very forced, awkward, um, <laughs> uh, fake authentic, authentic kindness that we have going here. Uh, I hope people know that we actually are good friends in real life and that's where it that stems from. Um, yeah, absolutely. This, this has been a lot of fun genuinely. And it, something we've talked about for a long time is, um, maybe doing some sort of con- audio content with the with yeah. some of our letters, which would be fun. Um, so yeah, I I, I want to thank you as well, not just for all the work that you've done for the studio, but just everything that you've done for me. Uh, I, I told you on multiple occasions over the years, like I, I owe so much to you within my career, and I know you don't view it that way, but um, there's a there's a to be nerdy, there's a Chewbacca life debt thing going on here for me uh, with with you, and and I would definitely. Um, you know, encourage people. I won't. I won't put Darren uh, on this, but for myself too. If you are out there and you have questions, uh, whether you see us online or um, uh, on on panels or at conventions or whatever else, obviously we'll be at uh, Baltimore Comic Con this year for the Ringos. Um, feel free to come up and say hi or, or send us a message. Um, I, in particular, I know Darren too, but I don't want to speak for you. Always excited to help in whatever ways that I can. Um, it's it's an industry that. Has a ton of amazing people in it. Just like anything else, um, you might run into stuff where it's it feels like you're being pushed back on, or someone you know didn't understand what you're trying to learn. Whatever it is, uh, but there are a lot of people out there who are willing to to help and guide and and sort of um, do what they can to help you get better at whatever it is that you're trying to do. And I know that that we're in that camp, both just as uh, people who enjoy the work and then people who enjoy working at the studio. So anyway, everyone vote for me specifically, not the studio. I would really <laughs> love to see them lose uh, at this year's ring. <laughs> uh, no, I I am excited to see all of you um, this year. And uh, whether we win or not, this is a huge year for Anworld. So congrats to you, Darren. And uh, thanks for the chat.
1: Congrats to you as well. Yes, thank you.
0: Thank you to Darren and DC for joining us for this discussion. You can find their lettering studio and world design at andworlddesign.com, And you can vote for either and world design or for DC Hopkins for best letterer at the Ringo awards at RingoAwards.com. As always, I'll throw those links down in the podcast episode description. Special thanks to Matt Campbell for composing our music and Patrick Hart for designing our logo. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the creators on comics podcast.